Hey there, how you doing? Welcome to episode number 363 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and with me today are Aria and Amanda, also of Smart Bitches. On Friday, July 26th at RWA, we recorded an episode. This was my 11th RWA, and it was Amanda and Aria's first. So we talk about meeting online friends, the fangirl moments we all experience, including me, and how much we hated the elevators at the Marriott in Times Square. We also have ghost stories, toilet stories, and some key questions. I am really excited about this episode. I love episodes where we all hang out, so I hope you enjoy it too. Today's podcast is sponsored by The Muffia, the first book in the Muffia series by Anne Royal Nicholas. If you liked Sex in the City and the Jane Austen Book Club, or if you're a member of a book club yourself, you'll love this contemporary women's fiction series set in Los Angeles. Madeline Scott Crane is a 42-year-old mediator and single mom who's having the best sex of her life inspired by the women of her book club, The Muffia, and their latest racy read. But on their second date, as Maddie and her mysterious Israeli heartthrob Udi come together in orgasmic splendor, he collapses on top of her. Dead. Or is he? The muffs set out to find the truth. Damn the consequences. International intrigue combines with friendship, literary pursuits, some vibrator shopping, and lots of home cooking, all wrapped up in one smart, sexy novel that is just this side of scandalous. The Muffia and all the books in the Muffia series are available now. Find out more at anroyalnicholas.com. Our episodes each and every week receive a transcript from Garlic Knitter. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. And this week's transcript is brought to you by The Highland Duke by Amy Jarecki. On sale for a limited time for only 99 cents. So head to your bookstore. When Akira Ayers finds a brawny Scott with a musket ball in his thigh, the healer has no qualms about doing whatever it takes to save his life, even if it means fleeing across the highlands to tend his wounds while English redcoats are closing in. Though Akira is fierce and brave as any of her clansmen, she's intimidated by the fearsome, brutally handsome Highlander who refuses to reveal his full name. Jordy knows if Akira ever discovers he's the Duke of Gordon, both her life and his will be forfeit in a heartbeat. The only way to keep the lass safe with his enemies on the hunt is to ensure she's by his side day and night. But the longer he's with her, the harder it becomes to think of letting her go. Despite their differences in class, despite the danger, he will face death itself to make her his. This historical romance won an RT Reviewer's Choice Award and James Patterson recommended it on Twitter by asking, looking for a romance with the same intensity as a thriller? The Highland Duke by Amy Jarecki is only 99 cents for a few more days and the rest of the series is on sale too. So add a stack of Highlanders to your TBR starting with The Highland Duke on sale now at 99 cents wherever ebooks are sold. This podcast, like many excellent podcasts you might enjoy, has a Patreon, and you can take a look at it at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Each and every pledge helps me keep the show going and helps me make sure that every episode has a transcript, including those deep in the dark archives going back, can you believe, nine years? Nine years. It's a lot of years. If you are a member of the Patreon community, thank you so much for your support, and if you would like to join... Monthly pledges start at $1 a month, and every pledge is deeply appreciated. Have a look at the tiers and rewards at patreon.com slash smartbitches.
I will have information at the end of the show about the music, about what's coming up on Smart Bitches. And of course, I will have an absolutely terrible joke because I specialize in those. But for now, let's start our conversation with Amanda and Aria and me at RWA, where we are going to be seeing people in front of our eyeballs. I, I woke up maybe like 40 minutes ago. <laughs> nice. You look amazingly fr- refreshed for being made up. It's the makeup. That's what it makeup is. Makeup is amazing, isn't it? So, hello, Aria. Hi. So, how has your first RWA been? I am so exhausted, but really, really happy at the same time. <laughs> that is, that actually could be the conference slogan. You know, it's RWA. I'm happy and exhausted. <laughs> it's a really strange experience when you've experienced a community only online. Yes. And I don't ever want to say that online is somehow less than in person because I don't think it is. I think it's maybe actually the opposite. But it is different when you actually see people and you feel validated that you're not the only one out there who feels a certain way about a genre of books and all the people around you don't feel about that same genre of books. It just feels validating that the thing you love is worthy of being loved. And the thing that you love is worthy of traveling and staying in a hotel and taking time out of your life to focus solely on that thing. And it's a weird position for us, I think, because we're writers about romance. We're not actually romance writers. Well, you are present company excluded. Me? I'm not currently writing a romance. I wrote one, but yeah, I don't but see myself as actively writing. But you're still an author. That's true. You could okay. go to like pan stuff if you wanted. I could. I am actually a pan member. It says yeah. so on my badge, but I never go because I think of that as an author space and I don't want to enter it. That's fair. Like I can see the pan loops and I can read them. I never post because I feel like that's an author space. And I respect spaces that aren't for reviewers. Like, that's fine. Um, and you feel like you've entrenched yourself too much in the reviewer role, right? Well, kind of? I don't know. Um, More like I'm aware that that is how I am seen. Like, I see myself more as a reviewer and a writer about romance, although I am also an author and I do need to be reminded. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, but I respect spaces where people talk to each other about things that they need to speak to each other about in a, in a space that is just for them. And I don't necessarily want to intrude on that space. Um, I also think that there are some really incredible um, learning opportunities for authors talking to other authors that can only happen when it's only authors in the room, especially if, if, especially for the people at RWA who are beginners talking to people who have a lot of experience But the fact that everyone travels from so far to hang out in a hotel for a bunch of days and learn about romance writing and learn about romance as a career and then also celebrate the books that are coming out, it is really a nice community feeling, isn't it? So are you going to the Kensington signing? I am going to the Kensington signing. That's at 11, right? Yes. Cool. No problem. I'm I'm going to all the signings. And I did you see my tweet about this? Maybe. So I came to RWA with the goal of not bringing back a single book. Good luck with that. that and how, how far off that I, goal are I you did, today? I did the oh, same I thing. a picture and it's like stacked. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I feel, I will donate them and and I'll make sure that they find a good home once I read them once because mm-hmm. I don't keep physical books. Do you often. reread? Books? Well, yes, but not physical books. Right. That makes if sense. I love it that much, I will get it in e-form. That makes sense. Because I just know, well, that book is going to not be good one day. Why am I just reading right. it over and over again? Right. So you're going to the signing and you've been to other signings. 
Who have you been really excited to meet? Okay, Sherry Thomas. <laughs> Understandable. So I went to her panel on pacing yesterday, and I don't know how people choose. I, this is awkward, right? Like so much of the panels are focused on writing and writing tips and marketing, crafting. Yeah, and like so, like my first panel, I went to a like a world building panel with Kelly Armstrong, and that seemed like interesting as a reader. Mm-hmm. And then I went to one with Adriana Herrera about. Um, intimate partner violence and that also seemed interesting because like we talk so much about abusive relationships and romance but then a lot of other stuff is just like marketing and how do you promote your books to reviewers and i'm like i don't want to go to a panel about that yeah but then this pacing one it's so writer centric but then i read the blurb about it and then i was like well i don't know anything about pacing and i complain about it so much when (laughs) (laughs) yes I felt like I feel like a hypocrite almost. It's like if I describe a book and it's like boring, I'll say, you know, it has slow pacing. Mm -hmm. And I know intuitively that it has slow pacing. I know I'm right about it because people agree with me. But if you ask me why it has slow pacing, I wouldn't be able to justify that answer. Mm -hmm. So I went to the panel in the hopes that I could understand like why that would happen mm-hmm. and i think i got an answer out of it so that was a really so like hopefully that like even though i know it was meant to be f- helping writers improve their pacing yes i think it, it was a good panel for me to understand when i'm reading a book why is this boring me right now right so what were some of the things that you learned about pacing so sherry thomas uh framed it as a discussion of like a disruption of a norm so like the oh, book, that's interesting. yeah. So was, she's always like, you always start off a book as a norm, right? So like in Harry Potter, the norm is that his life with the, his life with the Dursleys is really crappy, and you see that for a couple chapters. And the first disruption is maybe like the snake, and like the really big one is Hagrid and the letters. But you always want to establish that. And the problem is like if you don't disrupt it at the right time, and you just go on and on and on. It like you know it's slow. Like she was saying, there's two things wrong with pacing. It's either you're too slow to start, mm-hmm. or it's confusing. It's incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. And I think many people like they they feel it when they read a book. They don't know quite why. They're mm-hmm. like, why am I reading this book? Nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. And that's well, the norm is not being disrupted. I did all of the narration for the first page, re- page reads for agents and for editors. So I was reading first page submission, first page submissions from different writers. Um, out loud and then agents would have a copy to read but that would be the first time they were seeing it and listening to it and then they would give comments on that first page which I've done as a writer at a conference I was at years ago and it was terrifying to hear your own words come back at you like it's really weird is it anonymous yes okay that's it is good. completely anonymous <laughs> that's good but it's it's great because you get very direct real live feedback like this is what I think right now and one of the things that they consistently mention, like, this is just a first page. This is, what, four paragraphs at the most? But either not enough is happening to make me want to turn the page or so much is happening that I don't know where I am. So it's either too much or not enough, which is exactly what Sherry said. That's so interesting. And her philosophy was that you really have to nail the beginning because if you don't, they're just going to stop reading. So she, like her, That's like true. the majority of her, of her presentation was like, get that intro right Mm -hmm. that makes sense so what else have you been to how was the keynote this morning um it was interesting um 
I did like free food in general, so the breakfast was, was a big hit for me, but... There is nothing wrong with free food. It autom- It's like whenever a movie in a recliner. It automatically elevates it by at least 10%. Like, it was just like, it was like good food, right? But the fact that it was free just made it taste so much better. I don't want to talk too much about the keynote because it was very personal. She talked about her depression yeah. and her difficulties in writing. And it was very, it was very moving. And I thought it was a great speech. It is by Jennifer L. Armentrout, if, yes. I'm, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yes. I'm, I believe it's part of the conference recordings, but I can't be sure. I think it is. I love the part where writers are more and more um, open. Yes, but not just open about mental illness, but confident and comfortable saying to the community, this is real and this is a problem and this is what we need to do. And her thesis was, well, she talked about her own struggles, but her thesis was that your books save lives. You have to remember that. Like when you, even though you like, you may not get that feedback from a reader, if someone is reading your book, like it's really helping people. And you never know where your words are going to go or how they're going to reach somebody. I met someone yesterday who told me that their book club read Pride and Prejudice and other flavors and that the whole book club made Amanda's drink cocktail recipe oh. for the book club meeting. And I was like, I never would have known that. That is so great. A lot of people do like food themed stuff for book launches. For book clubs and launches. And I'm yeah. really impressed by that. It's cool, right? <laughs> Who doesn't like eating? Well, yeah, I like free food. I like eating. Eating is just good. <laughs> eating is always good. So has there been something that's happened at RWA that you've been like, this was amazing. I'm so excited I did this. I like the Strand event last night, though I will say I walked all the way down there. Oh, dude, that's a big I don't know why you did that. (laughs) No, I hate myself. So I interned in New York a couple years ago, so I was like, I want to revisit the city by walking through it. And then I regretted the decision five blocks in. Because you were walking through Times Square. Yeah. Square at rush hour. Oh, yikes. And I was, and at that point, I was too lazy to go buy a subway car. So I kept walking. I, I feel everything. You're it saying. wasn't even that. Like the subway still would have been faster at that point. I was just like, <laughs> I don't want to go buy it and use a credit card machine. So I kept. I did take the subway back. Yeah, I understand that. And I, I'm like, there, you, there's a minute where you're like, I've already invested in walking. I'm already invested in this. Decision. So this, so this, keep going. So the Strand event was. It had five authors yes. who I cannot name: Alicia Rice, Only Day of Melanie Johnson, Lauren Lane, Helena Hunting. Oh, I yeah. can name them. Nice job. And Sarah was hosting, and I was, was. I was so tired from the walk that I gave up on the bingo halfway because <laughs> I was like, "Okay, so there was a bingo card of words like um, Scott, like rom com, H E A, like romance words, basically." Yeah. And she was asking like, "Never have I ever questions?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was "Never have I ever," and um, "Would you rather?" Yeah, and the questions wasn't one of them like. How I almost deleted a manuscript. Yes, never have I ever almost lost or deleted a manuscript. The Alicia Rye Rice story was very funny. <laughs> she and Sonali could be a panel by themselves every day. They're very funny. They are hysterical. And Melanie Johnson is a theater person, so she's extremely funny. And then Lauren Lane and Helena were just great at playing off of each other. And like, what are they saying? Oh my gosh. Like, what? No. Uh huh. <laughs> 
and we have all agreed that Chris Hemsworth goes with Helena. She that's we had to we had to rank the Chris's as the final question. It was very challenging. I question anyone's judgment who doesn't put Evans first. So I was side. Um, sorry, I was side eyeing <laughs> that panel hard. I, I I am a pine nut. I am so sorry. <laughs> Wait, is that the name of the term? Pine yeah. nut. <laughs> what the heck? Chris Pine. <laughs> Yeah. This is like the American Idol fan club name. I think pine so. Nuts. I'm a pine nut. I'm a pine nut. <laughs> He's I a beautiful, like Evans sensitive fans man. Needs to have a name now. I think fair. Evans is overrated, and you can you know, quote me not, on that. It's not just about the attractiveness; it's about how he conducts himself online. Oh, yes. I'm appreciative of his, of his social awareness. Pine is second for me. I feel like Pine does have social awareness. He doesn't talk but, about it. No. Yeah, which is why I like it. It feels think, less performative to me. I think huh. that you could have an incredible five and a half hour conversation with Chris Pine and never be bored. He just seems like he has and so he much. His eyes are so blue he that you would drown He took a writing class. Right? You'd just be like, hi, Chris Pine. How are you? <laughs> Apparently, he wrote really good erotica while in college. He took a writing course. And one of his teachers was like, yeah, he writes really good stuff. See, yeah. this is information I didn't have somewhere, before. Somewhere on AO3 is Chris Pine's writing. Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> someone find it, please. Please, for the love of God, someone find this. Please, please, please. Oh, my gosh. But the panel was, like, totally skewed towards Pine. And a lot of people were like, I don't get Hemsworth. Yep. I, he's, I feel like he's a sex puppy. He's. I, I think he's we entirely... Said, yeah. Somebody said he was a sex puppy. Yeah. Well, when we were writing about sex puppies, you pointed out that the Australian men that you've met yes. have been very sex puppy. They're very... They're very eager to please. They're very sweet and very nice and very funny. Yep. Yeah, I had a nice little fling with an Australian doctor who was in Boston doing like a residency. Nice. Very nice. Post-sex, his name... Well, his name is Jack. Um, Jack in Australia, we're talking about you. And <laughs> he was talking about how much he loves his grandma. And he was like, sh- like we were just like talking back and forth. And he's like, here's a picture of like my nan when like I took her to the beach. And I was like, you sweet man. <laughs> he loves his grandmother so much. I think we're still Facebook friends. But his Facebook photo is like of him and his grandma at like his graduation from like college or something i was like sweet sweet." is he back in australia yes he is what if you visit i don't know people in the comments were like in the in the in the rec league were like well what kind of puppy like a lab they were talking about like the breeds of dogs (laughs) and now and now i'm like obsessed with the idea that there might be different kinds of sex puppies and that's too much to think about sex puppies are the new hogwarts houses they have, have to be like sorted. Lo- you have like a husky. Have you have like a German like shepherd. Hunting dogs, service dogs. Like think of sporting dogs. Yeah, toy dogs. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we might we might need to explore this and develop our different houses. Yeah, think of like a dog, like the categories of a dog show. Westminster is going to have a whole new meaning for me when it's on TV this year. <laughs> there is an amazing S- SNL sketch. Um, where instead of a dog show, they rank daddies. <laughs> huh. Is this is this like that's the one with Matt daddy? Damon? Is yeah, this, like, dream daddy and so you have like the show? the business daddy who's like a finance guy, and then but they like lead them around like a stage, like an actual dog show. And there's like one, and they're like trying to get his attention, and she's like shaking a protein shake in front of his face. 
Okay. Um, I will link it in the comments. It's That's great. Hilarious. I think Matt Damon was the host. That makes sense. He was. He, he was would be broadcast, a very good sex daddy. Puppy. He was. He would like be a, a very good sex puppy character too. I yeah. think. That's very. It funny. was hilarious. <laughs> so what else do you have planned for? Because I know you've got a schedule for your RWA. What else do you have planned? I am watching the top clock, so you can go down to Kensington. Oh, it's last till twelve. Okay. So I don't. I think I can go a little late. It's not okay. a big deal. All right. Um, Gotta respect the schedule, though. I know, I know you. I know you have lined up your schedule. I actually haven't. So the app is actually quite useful. The app is great. I love it. An app that works. What? what? I know. It's it's quite a miracle. Yeah, I'm just. Today's actually like there isn't actually a panel that I want to go to, so mm-hmm. I might just wander around. That's honestly the best way to fall into some wonderful conversations. And you told me to like go to the bar, but the problem is I don't drink alcohol, so I feel you don't have to drink alcohol. Drink just like going to the bar. I mean, I was I was double fisting a white wine and a coffee at the same time because right. I was cold. But like I've been to events. I think like I was chatting with Dorinda Jones's sister Annette. She was just drinking a Pepsi mm-hmm. and a glass. And if you don't want to, like, spend any money, you can just get a glass of water at the bar, and that's fine. Or ginger ale with a cherry or, you know, sparkling water. Yeah, just because you're at a bar doesn't mean you have to buy You don't have to drink. Yeah. And my problem with the bar after a while is that it is so loud. It is like a wall mm. of noise, and that really depletes my my mental battery very quickly. But the nice thing about this hotel, which we found yesterday, is around the side of the Broadway bar – Behind the bar, like behind the bar itself in the very back, there's sliding glass doors that lead out to a very small terrace that overlooks Times Square. And so there's lights and couches and it's quiet. But there is a drink. You have to order a a drink, not alcoholic, just a drink. Pepsi or whatever, but you have to drink, order something. You can't just hang out there. But it is so nice and comfortable and it's such a nice place to hang out. And I don't, I didn't see very many people from the conference there, which was Mm -hmm. surprising. You don't have to drink and it can get a lot if it's noisy. But if you spend the day, wandering around into different places you're going to run into people you know and then you'll fall into different groups and it's just the nicest thing to be like you said surrounded by the people you talk to all day but in person it's the nicest feeling so have you met like almost all of your internet connections here i've met a bunch um in terms of authors i had a ton of fun at the avon signing i just i think i just like a lot of authors in avon Mm -hmm. so the that was oh so this is like a fangirl moment so I Meg, love those so Meg Cabot was at the Avon signing right yes. and I know that she wasn't here signing the Princess Diary books and whatnot mm-hmm. but she was writing those books when I was like so I'm like the target audience for those books yeah. I was at the right age for Avalon High and Princess Diaries and I was like Meg Cabot you are a real person I can see you with my eyeballs <laughs> Like that was, I was like, you're just not like, what? That's not, that's not a thing. This is a thing that's happening in front of me. And then I got a picture of her and my smile is like very wide and it was just very, I think, I don't know. Like, have you had a fangirl moment? Cause I, did you see my fangirl moment yesterday? Yeah. Sarah, Sarah Sarah still has them. It happens. Oh yeah. My inner 13 year old is very happy to lose her. But with who? Uh, a Regency author named Joan Wolf, who wrote okay. Singing Regencies, and um, I don't remember who else published them, but she wrote some wonderful, wonderful Regency historicals that are just classic and elegant. I think she mentioned, like, what, she's working on a 50th book or mm-hmm. something like that when we were talking to her? And I was talking to Susie Felber, who is Edith Layton's daughter, who also wrote Regencies and historicals. 
I think she died. Uh, was it? Has it been five years? It's, she said, or ten? I think. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's been, been a, five. It's it was, been a it's been, minute. It's been. It's been a number of years since Edith Layton passed away. But um, Susie, her daughter, manages her estate and has been publishing some of her older books in digital, which they hadn't been published before. And she was meeting with Joan Wolfe, who was a friend of her mother's. And so I run into I, Susie walks by mm. and I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to meet you in person. I've never met you in person. And she's like, may I introduce Joan Wolf? And I was not cool. <laughs> like I climbed up on my knees on the back of the chair over this half wall at the bar. And I was like, I am so honored to meet you. Oh my gosh. And Joan. You, and you were not <laughs> expecting me to lose my shit. Joan well, Wolf was like, who is this person? Well, like, there, there were like photos being taken. And Joan Wolf, she is a woman of a certain age. And she said this phrase that I was like, yeah, that fits. She's like, oh, we have to take a photo. She's like, I don't have any lipstick on. Yes. <laughs> I was like, she was like, this is not happening because I do not have lipstick on. And I was like, you don't need lipstick. You're Joan Wolf. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, Amanda watched my inner 13-year-old just erupt out of my body because I am so amazed when I get to meet a writer who's been writing for so long who wrote books where I was just like – before I knew any authors, I would I would read her books, and then there's that moment afterward where you're just like, "Wow, oh wow, that was that was really good." Like she's. So I feel like everyone's in that category for me in a way <laughs> because I don't know any authors. This is the first time I'm meeting anyone, right. so it's like everyone is someone I've been reading for like at least five, six years, and I was a teen five or six years ago. So yep. it feels like it's a weird experience. I got to hug Alyssa Cole. I got to take a selfie with Alicia Rye, and I was just like, what am I doing right now? Yep. How is this happening? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. My my inner 13-year-old is a few decades in the past, like my actual 13-year-old <laughs> self. But she is very much in there, and she will erupt when when I get to meet somebody who I just – I did never expected to meet, and I'm so excited. Oh, I went down to the front after Sherry Thomas's panel, and I – I legit started stammering for two seconds. I, oh, I, hi, Sherry, but, like that, like that. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh my God. Just thank you. I did that when I turned around at a party once. I think it was, gosh, this was a bunch of years ago. So it would have been RWA here in New York, but probably four or eight years ago. I was telling Amanda, this is my 11th RWA. And the only reason I know that is because my first RWA, I gave birth six weeks later. I, it was like the last week I was allowed to travel by air. I was a small planet orbiting the lobby. And my younger son is now 11. So this is my 11th RWA. I turned around at a party in New York. So it was either four or eight years ago. And I was staring at Margaret Atwood. Oh, wow. I, there were no, I didn't, I didn't even reach the verb. It was like seven <gasps> nouns in a row. Like I, I you, you, I, what? Like I couldn't. It was that that same feeling. You said I'm seeing you with my eyeballs right now. Holy shit! Yeah, I was. Like not you know, cool. the person is real. You don't. Yeah. You just don't expect to. See you just them. don't expect to see them with your whole eyeballs. Like they're not supposed to exist in the space right here. I felt that you. way. So I felt that way when Courtney Milan was accepting her service award this morning at yeah. the breakfast, and before Jennifer Armentrout's speech, there were three service awards, mm -hmm. and they all talked. to some subtly, some not. Like Courtney, they were talking about, you know, the, how messed up the process is right now and how it's important for change. And, yeah, and how. And some much. were more vague, and some like Courtney were. So Courtney said something like, "Look at the tables around you," and that's how many black women should have won the Ritas, like four or five tables by now. And then look even like more like more tables around you, that's how many should have been nominated. Mm -hmm. And she was very, very direct about it. Mm -hmm. And well, she's right. <laughs> yeah, she's not wrong. I 
am really excited to today just because I don't have anything that I'm doing. I did something yesterday. I did something the day before today. Like you, I can sort of drift around and talk to people. That's my favorite thing. Just, just like, oh, I get to see you in person. You're in front of my eyeballs. <laughs> I think that might be the title of the episode. You are in front of my eyeballs. <laughs> it's strange. You look exactly like your photo in the, yes. Me? Yes. You look exactly like the photo in the Smart Bitches About page, but it's still weird seeing you. <laughs> like that's, it's not an insult. It's just, no, it's not at all. An it's insult. just, oh, you're a person too. I am a human being. Yep. Complete with, you know, fuck ups and, a desire for you but the pants. voice is so recognizable which is yes. the odd thing sarah gets stopped by her the voice, voice all i the do time. i do it's really weird i'll start talking they're like oh, i know your voice i know your voice i'm like hi sorry i know that's weird <laughs> yeah i i have had people say it's really weird to see the voice come out of a person especially if they've never seen my picture because then they have this idea of what i look like and that's usually not right because i never get that right <laughs> so hi i'm in front of your eyeballs <laughs> But I also get excited because when I get to be like with people who I talk to every day, it's really fun and it's a different dynamic. Amanda? Yes. How have you liked RWA so far? It's your first RWA too. It is mine. But, you know, I'm a jaded old crone and – Fuck, what does that make me? A super old crone. A mega, mega crone. Mega crone sounds like the best kind of transformer and now I have one. It's like – crones assemble and you just get off my lawn and fuck off (laughs) (laughs) i mean i mean it's fine i realize i'm not like the target audience for this kind of conference Mm -hmm. it's very writer focused yes which makes sense it is a writer's organization yeah i do not like new york um sorry new yorkers new yorker new york's like likes you the elevators really like oh my god The elevators are, like, trying to keep me trapped in New York. They're like, you are never going to leave. So the way the elevators work at the Marriott is that you have to enter your floor into a keypad and then it assigns you an elevator bank from this But you can't get to all floors from all elevators. Half of them go to one set of floors. Half of them go to the other set of floors. And if it's a busy time, it'll be like, elevator G. And then you'll stand there for 15, 20 minutes. And then you do it again. And it's like, okay, now take elevator I. Like, well, why didn't you tell me? Well, I was on 28. And Sarah's on 24. I'm like, all right, I'll just go. Nope. No, you have to go down to eight, the and lobby, switch and switch over to another bank of elevators. And it's annoying. And you're on the elevators for like ever. But yeah, RW is fine. I'm not like the target audience. The place isn't my favorite. I do. Sarah and I have talked about this before where I just like talking to book people. I love romance publicists are some of my favorite fucking people on the planet as someone who used to be a publicist which is by the way a hard fucking job working in publicity is a thankless job i'll tell you that and you get a lot of paper cuts and you send a lot of emails um put out a lot of fires i imagine yes so i just love meeting with them i i see them at like bea and and stuff like that and Erin Galloway, who works at Berkeley, I remember she helped me with my graduate school studies. Aww. Sarah put me in contact with her because I a lot of my graduate school like papers and my directed study, they were all like romance focused. Mm-hmm. 
And like Aaron was a point of contact for like answering questions and you know doing that. So. She is such. A, she is so good at mentoring people she's too. So I have wonderful. watched her mentor so many other publicists because she used to be at Dorchester. That's where she started. Oh my goodness! Before Dorchester sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Like I imagine, because they used to publish so much fantasy, I just sort of imagine this kraken just coming to get Dorchester. Really <laughs> like reclaiming it. Yes, reclaiming it for the sea. Yeah, she. I've told you this that she was the first publicist to reach out to me as a blogger, and she. Was yeah, like, you tried you- to give her galleys back. Yeah, I'm like, she's like, do you want to be on our list? And I'm like, list of what? She's like, list to receive books. And I'm like, I get mine from the library. What do you mean? She's like, I will send you books. And I'm like, wait, seriously? Then she sends me galleys. And this was, you know, 13, 14 years ago. The galleys are massive, like, trade-shaped. They're regular, like, 20-pound paper. And they're wrapped in a single color cover with just, like, a border and the author and the title. So it's clearly not a finished book. And I was like, oh, my God, this book isn't really real yet. Oh, my God. And I was, like, floored that this was a thing that happened. So then I emailed her. I'm like, so do you want these back? She was like, God, no. What do I do with them? <laughs> I'm like, what do I do? She's like, put them in the recycling. And I was horrified. Like, no, you don't recycle books. Are you kidding? And when we moved four years ago, I found a box of arcs that I was too chicken to recycle because I was like, that's horrible. I can't do that to a book that is a book that got sent to me. So yeah, I kept arcs for a couple of years. But she was the first publicist and one of the first I worked with who was like, blogging is going to be important we need to cultivate a relationship it's like cultivating a relationship with bookstagrammers now she was one of the first to be like no blogging and reviewing online and reviewers reviews from readers in different sources on the internet are going to be important to us we need to we need to get in contact and cultivate those she's so smart and forward-thinking and a great mentor i just like Shout out to all my favorite publicists. I feel like an Oscar speech. We got Kristen. Thanks to Aaron. And thanks to Jess and Jody and Estelle. I don't know. I just wish. And Steph. Yeah. I just. Yeah. Steph. Definitely Steph. Um, I just wish they would get more recognition for all the hard fucking work they do. Publicists never sleep. Ever. They have box cutters, Sharpies, and paper cuts. They're always on their email. Yep. That was why I started the event by thanking all the publicists who put it together because they – there is always a publicist with a box cutter working until one in the morning before a book event. Always. But that's also like my favorite part of BEA. It's not necessarily the books or the authors. Like I just like talking to to book people Mm -hmm. and I've like fostered this great relationship with all of them and I don't come to New York very often. Yep. So it's just like nice to see them and be around them. And they've got like such great energy. And so, I mean, that's really the only thing that I I wouldn't say like I've enjoyed. I haven't hated RWA. But that's the highlight for you. That is my highlight. So what's like your favorite con to attend as a reader then or whatever? None. Okay. It's None funny, of them. There are more cons now. Well, okay. You know, Kiss Con. Yeah. Like the Chicago one next year just looks really fun because it's so reader focused. Mm-hmm. All the panels from this year were like, none of them were author focused. So mm-hmm. as a reader, they were all games and interactive. Yes. Yeah, so like to me, yeah. that as a reader seems to be the most fun to attend. Absolutely. No question. I, I miss RT. I feel like if I had to pick out of all the things that I've been to, I really liked the balance RT struck between the different tracks, like craft and reader and, you know, librarians. Mm-hmm. Like they had all these different tracks, but they also did like 
fun stuff bingo. and like gosh i've called bingo i've been part of win lose the wheel the wheel of romance wheel of romance there was the one um okay this is this is an old show like oh god let's make a deal no price maybe, is right maybe it was password the, it's like i uh i need you to bring me a piece of blue gum that's let's make a deal. That's, let's make a deal. So they did uh, Damon Swade and some other authors did that a couple of years ago, but it was your swag. So you brought all the swag that you had collected, postcards and bookmarks, and you had a little area on your table and they had a list of things. I need a shirtless man with wings. And the first one to figure it out where it was on their swag came up and got a prize. And this was brilliant because it was fun but it made you look at the swag that you had and take another look at the paper that you were collecting because there's a lot of paper and it was so fun and those were never long enough we used to do the reader rec party Aww. that was okay that was so much r.i.p i miss it party. i miss it so much i would have we would get prizes we'd bring in prizes and books. And books. And I would be running around the room like Phil Donahue. So each of the writers for the staff, for the site, the staff writers would tell the room, here's a book I loved. Here's a recommendation. And we always had a couple copies of it. And, and the, the swag that I gave out was a notebook. It was a smart bitches recommend so you could write things down. And I'm like, all right, who has a book that they want to tell the room about? The only rule is please don't make it your own. Um, but if you know, if you bribe the person next to you, to talk about your book. I don't know anything about it. So tell me about a book you want to tell everyone about. And I would just run around the room and people would talk about books they like. And, and people would, would start... have their phones out. Yes. Buying so the books. Oh, yeah. Or putting them on hold at the library as people were talking about it. Yeah. Do you remember the year I can see this woman and I can't remember her name? She was like, so it's Harry Potter with sex magic. Uh, it's the Cecilia, Cecilia Tan. Tan series. Yes. She said Harry Potter with sex magic. And there was this noise that went through the room. And I can't really describe it. But it was the sound of book people going, I want to read that right now. I like, want to read it right now. What is the first one? I can I see the cover. It's a guy remember. flinging cards at you. Yes. It's I don't Cecilia remember. Tan. It is it is set in an alternate It's reality. very heavy on the sexual content. Yes, because it's a secret society mm. school that exists inside Yale or something like Yale. So you think you're in Yale, but if you're part of that school, you see buildings that no one else can see. And there's different kinds of sex magic. And you study different kinds of sexual magic. Um, and it's really interesting because it talks about sex as intimacy and as power and as the you know sort of the creative energy of it and it's there's a lot of sex but it's really interesting and um i remember that noise yeah it's harry potter with sex magic and it's like the whole room went <laughs> oh my god but like as as for cons kiss con looks fun i don't go i wouldn't say i don't go but like i don't like crowds for one and so after these sorts of things, it's like I have to Isolate. hibernate yeah. for a good two to three days, like close the curtains, no <laughs> sunlight, no human contact. You want to be where the people aren't. But some of the the cons that are around, like KissCon and a PolyCon, they do have a big focus on like signings. Yeah. And that's never been like a draw for me is like mm -hmm. getting – getting stuff signed. I, there are very few authors where I would love a signed book, but you know, I just don't have like that attachment to like to the physical artifact. Yeah. To like getting things signed. So like that never appeals to me and I don't want to drag my books to play. 
faces. Like I am lazy as. But that's fuck. why I made a photo book for the Star WA. Oh, that's lovely. So you're having people sign your photo book. Yeah. I think I had people sign my Kindle case at one Whoa, point. Oh, that book is not screwing around. <laughs> wow. So, for example, <gasps> look at this. Wait, I'm also. I'm gonna get a picture oh. of this. So I will I will describe it as well. The pages have book covers and they're all There's kind of too like many pages for you to hit pictures of. Author but focused. It's just like I'm trying to get people. Are these printed on or like stickers? No, it's Shutterfly. Oh. Well what are you gonna do with the blank pages? I don't know. I just it'll if I go to a future con, people can sign it. Okay. I'm not gonna print another one. Wow. But to me, this is like you know, this is like a yearbook almost for me. Oh my and, gosh, you're so right. It is like a yearbook. And it's just so I I like signed copies too. And I have been I'm I obviously got a lot of books this RWA. And they're and they're signed and they're and they're nice. But I'll probably read them once and then I'll re-gift it to another romance reader so mm-hmm. they can enjoy it. Sure, sure. And then I'll buy the E if I really love it. Or if you want, we do periodic giveaways of books. Oh yeah, have. then I'll you just can give away send a box that. of signed books. Yeah. We ha- we're gonna do one in August. Yeah. So yeah. I should send you a picture of my garage where I keep the books. It's kind of scary. Also, yeah. I'm looking at Brenda Jackson's signature. Brenda Jackson was <gasps> awarded Her signature is gorgeous. last night at the Harlequin party. I think she has a hundred and a hundred books or a hundred and twenty five books published with Harlequin. Yep. And the only other person who like beat her was Carla Cassidy with a hundred and fifty books. Yep. But yeah, Brenda Jackson. Um I was there with She's a powerhouse. with Steve from like the Brown Pop and we were like trying to guess like who was gonna be in each category. They're like Brenda Jackson's got to be up there. Oh, yeah. Heather Graham's got to got to be in there somewhere. Like we were trying to figure out who was going to get called. And the thing that's amazing about Brenda Jackson is that for years she had a full time job at Allstate. She worked in insurance and she wrote on the side. And she has published 150. God books. bless her. So you have this gorgeous yearbook, and that's for uh, all of the things you're and going to. And that's because I like the autograph books that I'm getting, but I know I'm not going to keep them for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And so this is a way to remember. Oh yeah, that is it's, your yeah your artifact of this experience. I think that's so cool. Not everyone in that book is here. Are you going to take it to yeah, other places? So, okay, so when I was making this book, I was like, if I make this book and I don't include Nalini Singh in it, that's <laughs> like saying, well, I'm never going to make Nalini Singh, and I do think I will meet her. It's like a vision board. I it is so like Nora Roberts is in there, right? And the reason she's in there is I really want to go to her end for a signing. And oh. I feel like that's a doable thing. Totally doable. Thing. Sarah's BFFs with Nora. I am not BFFs <laughs> with BFF, Nora. They, I am ah, not. They text and talk all okay, the time. I, I do see not it. text <laughs> with Nora Roberts. I can text her publicist, but that is as far as I go. Sorry. They send letters to each other. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> they've got friendship bracelets. <laughs> Okay, I believe okay, you I, at first, first all, and now I don't. First of all, <laughs> Nora Roberts' friendship bracelets are like five-carat diamonds, and I do not have that kind of bracelet walking around in my life. Oh, my gosh. No. You should definitely go to the inn. You should definitely go to a signing. How are you with ghosts? Oh, I love Is them. that the hotel that has the ghost in it? Yes, I've met her, the ghost. Yes. Are you serious? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm totally serious. I, I, I don't know the story. Oh, I will tell you the story. Okay. So if you, if you are invited to sign, they get you a reservation at the inn. Um, I will also tell you the most romantic husband story that I've ever met was at the inn. 
So the inn is in the books, but and it, and it is exactly as it is. I've read in the, the books. books. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's really beautifully done. Um, Nora can be an interior decorator anytime she interior decorates. Which her room books. did you stay in? Uh, the first two times I was in Elizabeth and Darcy. And then for my 11th anniversary, my mother-in-law took the kids and we were like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? We don't know what to do. Our children. Are Call around. up Nora because we're great friends. <laughs> no, that's not what happened. <laughs> I'm in a okay. free room. <laughs> so not has not happened. The So every room at the inn has the Neo Rest Toto Super Toilet from Japan. And it is the most exquisite toilet you will ever use in your life. And I was like, you know what? Adam, we're going to go to the inn in Boonesboro. We're going to drive from Jersey down to Maryland. I, for the anniversary, the, I want to use that fancy toilet. The 11th anniversary is the fancy toilet anniversary. If I text my <laughs> husband and ask him what's the 11th anniversary, he'd be like, fancy toilet. <laughs> I took him to the inn, and the only one that was available was the Titania and Oberon um, bridal suite. I was like, fuck it. It's our anniversary. So we went to the inn. We, we used the magical toilet. Did the toilet the have a flower crown? No, it should have though. But like you walk in and the toilet seat goes up like, hi, how are you? The seat is heated. There's like multiple things that will wash every part of your body. It's really incredible. There's an air dryer. It's really incredible. So just for the toilets. So I stayed in the Elizabeth and Darcy room for a signing. And um, the morning of the of the signing, I had set my phone alarm. And I was dead asleep, and all of a sudden my phone starts going off, but it's the the number you have reached is no longer in service. My phone had dialed something. And I was like, well, that's weird. And I looked and I was like, okay. So I went back to sleep, and a few minutes later, do 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 the number you have reached is no longer in service. I'm like, why is my phone making phone calls and on speaker? And I'm like, this is weird. But by that time I was awake. So I got up, showered, went downstairs. I met these two women who were there for the signing. It was a mom and her daughter, adult daughter. Um, and the mom was undergoing chemotherapy and radiation treatment and she was in her robe and they were like, Oh, we're in our bathrobes and your dress. I'm like, I have to look professional. If I could be in my bathroom right now, I totally would. If you'd like, I will go back to my room and get my bathrobe. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, it's fine. So I had breakfast with these wonderful women, went to the signing. And then at the end of the signing, one of the women came and said, we're going to dinner at a restaurant in West Virginia, which is like 20 minutes away from the inn. And we've, we'd really like you to join us. We join us for dinner. Aww. So I had the most wonderful dinner. And I was telling them, you know, it was really weird. My phone woke me up. I was like, I wonder if my phone was waking me up so I could meet you. And I was like, that would be a great reason for my phone to be weird. And I remember looking and there were no outgoing calls in my call log either. So I mentioned it to the innkeeper. Like, my phone was really weird. And she's like, you're an Elizabeth and Darcy, aren't you? And I was like, (laughs) yeah. And she's like, that's Elizabeth. That's the ghost. She will. She plays with technology. Now, is it? The Elizabeth Bennett? No, it is a woman in the inn. Okay, okay. The inn is a very old building, but they named her Elizabeth. Okay. She's not like trying to hurt you, but she likes she likes to manage your she likes to manage the relationships in the room. And I really believe, I utterly believe that the reason my phone woke me up was so that I could meet these two women and have this wonderful experience of spending the day with them and going to dinner with them and meeting them. And I still keep in contact with the daughter. I still email her. I wonder how she would interact with like other pieces of technology. Like what what would she do if you left a Nintendo Switch out? She would be like stardew valley where's my switch i'm sorry elizabeth has it and she is a year two farmer now and she has 10 hearts with everyone she's harvesting those dang blueberries so yeah that was that's the ghost and she likes to manage and um make relationships for the other guests but her center where she most often appears is in elizabeth and darcy and the fact that the innkeeper was like yeah that's that's that was like whoa so the amazing husband story 
another time I was there for a sign. I think it was my second book. Um, there was this couple and like this guy was probably six feet tall and four feet wide. He was extremely New Yorker. And I could like almost tell he was like uncomfortable in the chair because it was like small and dainty. And his wife was, this was the morning of the signing. She was levitating with excitement because she was going to meet Nora Roberts. And she kept saying to him, oh my gosh, honey, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And that's kind of normal. It's like a present and the husbands come and gift their yeah, wife yeah, a night yeah, at the yeah. inn and a trip to the signing. And you line up at the crack of dawn to get in line for the signing. Like the people line up early to get in that first group because the first group is the one that's allowed to bring in books from outside. And after that, it's just what you buy in the store. And she's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And she's like, everyone, I have to tell you about my husband and what he did. And he's like, oh, God. And he puts his hand over his face. He's like, can I finish my coffee and go upstairs? And she's like, no, you have to hear this story, too. And he's like, I know the story. (laughs) I did the thing. He's like, you know what? I'm going to tell the story. And I was like, well, at this point, I am no longer eating. And I'm listening to this incredible guy. He's like, I'm a fishmonger. My whole family owns a fish shop. And we're Italian. And in, in Italian culture, on Christmas Eve, you eat... A buttload of fish. Is it seven kinds of fish? The Feast of the Seven Fishes. So on Christmas Eve, it is tradition to eat seven kinds of fish if you're Italian. And he's a fishmonger in an Italian community in Long Island. So, of course, he's like, Christmas is like insane. But from December 1st onward, we're taking res- reservations. We're getting stock. I have never been awake all the way through Christmas. My wife goes out of her way to make this wonderful Christmas Day meal. And we are all exhausted. Me, my brothers, my cousins, my father, my uncle, we just fall asleep at like 11 o'clock. We barely make it through church and then we sleep. And so every year for Christmas, my wife makes this big effort and I sleep through most of it. And so this is her Christmas present because I am never awake and I'm exhausted to enjoy Christmas. This is our Christmas weekend. And I brought her here to the hotel to go to the signing. And at this point, I am like, you're the greatest husband I've ever met. Second to my own. That's the kind of like romantic thing you'll see. It's so lovely. So lovely. And a ghost. If you want a ghost. That's definitely on the bucket list. Go to the end. Totally. Is there like a, there must be, there's like a romance bucket list, I think. Go to the end. Oh god! I guess I, I yeah. guess going to RWA is one of them. I'm trying to think. What go to else? RWA. Um, go to the inn. Like, what else would be on the romance reader bucket list? I mean, visiting the ripped bodice might be. Oh yeah, visiting the ripped bodice and love sweet arrow. Going to like the Highlands. Going to the settings of your favorite books. Going like being in Manhattan, being in London. There should be like a Harlequin presents sub bucket list. <laughs> Like all the stuff that goes, because like, you know, presents are so over the top and very, I think they're, they're very sudsy books. I love them for that. You don't have the tycoon's baby bucket list. Okay, having been through <laughs> that experience, the baby part, not the tycoon part, I can't recommend it. <laughs> it can be difficult and a little painful. You know how there are like these big Disney cruises or like yes. themed? I have often thought it would be so much fun if someone organized a romance there have cruise. Been some. There oh, have really? been some. There have been a couple. Some chapters will do their chapter conference on a cruise. I did one of those. It's like a weekend. Like the Florida chapters will do a long weekend cruise to like Nassau and the cruise line island. Typical Florida. (laughs) Shut up, Florida. Typical. But you do the writer's conference and then they do the signing on that main walkway down the middle of the cruise line. So like the cruise passengers buy books. That's pretty cool. There is a romance fan cruise, I think, being planned for a year or two from now. Um, some conferences will do a whole weekend cruise or a week even. 
Oh, and another um, historical the, romance. Yeah, historical re- retreat. Romance retreat is another conference. What is it, like Pacific Northwest or yeah, something like? Yeah, on the like? West Coast. They yeah. have one too. But a romance cruise could be amazing. I know there's a fan- sci-fi fantasy cruise. That I fucking hate year. cruises. Why? Well, the kind is of cruise. Is this a Florida thing? It's a like, I don't like being on a cruise ship thing and okay. forced I, activity. I mean, the rooms are not ideal. I'll admit that. They're good for reading if you've got an interior stateroom. You can't hear anything. It's I would, like, den. I want to go on an Alaskan cruise, not a Caribbean cruise. Okay. That's my speed. It could be Alaskan. I'm not opposed to an Alaskan cruise. But I was thinking Mediterranean with all the Harlequin presents. I, so, I would also <laughs> do that. Have, you have good ideas. Somebody just needs to give Aria a big pot of money and she'll make things Let's happen. Let's just all go to Italy and go on a cruise. Let's just everyone do it i have no problem with all those words in a row all right it is 25 past 11 do you okay i do have to go to kensington so just put your microphone down it's cool okay bye everyone thank you (laughs) like i'm talking to a bunch of people so are there any signings or anything else you want to attend while you're here you just sort of like eh when are you when are you when are you going home tomorrow tomorrow morning getting on the amtrak so what are you reading on the train home okay so what i'm reading or what i plan to read on the train um, as a library hold that I picked up before I came here, it's called Alpha Wolf Need Not Apply. Intriguing. And the hero is a wolf shifter and park ranger, and it takes place in uh, the San Isabel National Forest. And the heroine is a forester, and she's like the alpha of her pack. Which I don't see very often. So we got two wolves. The heroine is the alpha of hers, and she's like constantly having to like fend off her like alpha status from dudes. But I have that for the train, and I'm excited about it. And then I have like, you know, you always have to bring two or three backups in case something happens. Oh, obviously. No question. So, and I've got, um, how to Love a Duke in 10 Days by Kerrigan Byrne. Um, that's not out yet. I've heard good things. So she I have writes that. fun historicals. I've never read anything by her. I, this might be like the first book in a, in a new series. But that's the book on – I posted on the Instagram. that I left to go take a shower for like 15 fucking minutes. And I come back and Linus has used the corners as a chew toy. I'm like, okay, thanks. Nummy. You jerk. <laughs> so. Look, look, he's the alpha. He is constantly asserting his dominance. I guess. It helps that he's so cute. <laughs> but Does I just, he like being petted? It depends. Um, he can be like super needy. He does this thing where if you pet the top of his head. He lifts his face up and he wants you to rub his nose. Uh-huh. And he makes this like yeah. noise. Yeah. And I'm like, you little weirdo. And he loves butt scratches. Oh, like at right, the base of the tail? Right, yes. We call that elevator butt because the butt just goes. Yep. And he just always has to put his butthole like right on you. Like he'll oh, yeah. back up into it. Oh, yeah. Wilbur constantly shows everyone his butthole, but most especially Zeb, who is at the exact right height. And Zeb's like, I've seen this. I live with you. I am aware of this butthole. I always like. I know I'm a dog, but come on. I always joke around that like his butthole like suctions to it. Like, 
Like, <laughs> I make this noise that drives Eric crazy. I make the <laughs> noise. <laughs> it's like that's the bottle suction noise. He's like, stop it. <laughs> but yes, he does like pets and sometimes he gets very needy in the mornings Aww. where it's just like please touch every part of my face yeah yeah but and does he rub his cheeks on you on everything the worst that, is you know that's marking he has a scent gland yep. in the corner of his well, mouth like, i'll have my laptop on my on my lap hence the name yes and he'll rub his cheeks on the corner oh cats in the corner of laptops what is with that and it'll push the screen and then pinch my skin in between the hinges yep Yep. and i'm just like ow ow (laughs) and then you move the screen up and then he does it again and i want this here i'm scratching my face (laughs) yeah (laughs) i finished lady helena investigates which was a book on sale yes it was very hard to put down but I can also see what issues I had with it. I honestly don't know how I would grade it because on one hand, I stayed up way too late reading it because I needed to know what happens. And the the chapters are written so that something happens at the end and you want to go, okay, well, now I got to find out what happens next. Good idea. But, <laughs> but the sequence of the story is, I think, out of order because there's a mystery of her. So Lady Helena is a widow and the book opens at her husband's funeral and her whole family is there and she's the youngest of a whole bunch of um, children in one family. Their mother has advanced dementia and lives with the her, her brother who's the next oldest after I think five or six girls. There's a lot of family in this book and to the point where I was confused as to which family was which. And they're all, for the most part, different ones of them are terrible in different ways and they all call her baby because she's the youngest and she's a grown woman. I don't like that. Well, she doesn't like it either. Um, <laughs> the book opens when her husband has been buried and the whole family's around. And, and and some of them are like openly resentful that they have to go into mourning and have to wear mourning clothes and they don't like it. And she's like, you're – she keeps she holds her tongue. She doesn't tell anybody She'd off. like, fucking suck it up. Yeah, like, sorry. Part of the book is her learning to find her voice and stand up for herself, but also examining who she is and her position. I don't remember the sequence of time, but one of the villagers in the village that is next to her estate is a French uh, doctor who was there at the coroner's inquest and is very suspicious about her husband's death. And nobody believed him at the inquest. And of course, she wasn't allowed to attend or know anything about it because she's a woman. And so he comes to her and he asks to speak with her privately, which is super inappropriate. And he says, I just I think there's something very suspicious about your husband's death. And I needed to tell you i argued for a further investigation and everyone agreed that it was an accident and the farmer who fished him out of the creek was telling the truth and he says i don't agree um and she's like the hell is wrong with you go away like she cannot handle it and so part of the story is her recovering from immediate grief and moving into less grief and moving through like six months of of mourning Part of it is her coming to terms with her position and her family and also coming to terms with the fact that she's now a very wealthy widow and she has independence and money and power. And then there's the fact that this French guy, they're very attracted to each other, but they have a great deal of social distance between them. He's French. He's just left France after the revolution. And he calls her on the status that she has as the lady landowner who has tenant farmers. And she's like, well, of course, I'm going to take care of these people. They're my people. They're on my land. It's of course, I'm going to take care of this person who needs help. Of course, I'm going to do this. And he's like, you will do it. 
that's great. But the system that allows people to have the responsibility and not do it is the problem. And you need to be aware of the fact that there is real resentment against you having this power just because you were born. And she gets really upset at being called on her status as local nobility. The problem I had with the book was that the mystery gets resolved. And then there's another like quarter of the book to go because there's another mystery I mean, that gets the introduced. The title is called like Lady Helena Investigates. I don't think she does a whole lot of investigating yeah, until and- the last quarter of the book. Okay. Then she's investigating. She's reading things. But it's like... Well, then if that's the case, I investigate all the time. Yeah, I am constantly investigating. <laughs> I love some of the things that the book was doing. I didn't love how the story was structured because I was like, wait, the mystery's over. The book's going to end soon. No, another quarter of the book to go. There's like a whole extra quarter of a book attacked to the end. So I don't know what I'm reading on the way home. I have the first Kate Shugak novel because. Oh, yes. yes, yes, yes. What is it? A Cold Day for Murder? Yes, murder I think that's what it cold is. Day, a Cold Day for Murder. Yeah. I remember the title. I get a point. Um. That looks really, really good. And I think it'll be like just the right kind of reading for a train because trains are awesome. I love taking the train to New York. I'm bummed because on the way here, I got the quiet car and I stand by my decisions to always get the quiet car. Always go for the quiet car. But, and this is a testament to how much I love my brother. He is 13 hours ahead. And we've been playing phone tag Mm. since I've been in New York. Mm. And he's like, well, I'll just call you tomorrow. And I was like, well, what time? Because I'm going to be in a quiet car and I'm not going to be that person. (laughs) I was like, if you're going to call me during the morning, my morning, your night, tell me in advance. So I can leave the quiet car. Or I will sit in a different car. Right. So I have plenty of time to talk to you. So... Wow. The things you're, I do. You're going to give up quiet car for your brother. Stupid brother. <sighs> any, last, yeah. any last thoughts about RWA or conferences? or Nothing else. I am very tired. It is oh, exhausting. Yeah. Just like, you it's know. It's a very exhausting conference. It <sighs> is a lot. It is a lot, a lot. And I've had a lot of conferences back to back to back in the last couple months. This is technically the end to my my con season, and I am looking forward to it because yeah. I am very tired. <laughs> I'm very tired. Yeah. This is like three to four months of like extroverting, and the introvert in me is just oh. hanging on by a thread. Yeah, I know. It is a lot. I'm like one step away from falling asleep on my feet like a horse. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Last like, night, I, I don't remember what I was saying to people last night. And I was talking to Alexis Daria, and I really felt like I, I'm going to tip forward, just fall asleep in my face right now. <laughs> so I was like, I just want French fries for dinner, please. That's all I want. I wanted some freaking French fries. That's all I wanted. Well, and you got them. I got French fries and a glass of champagne. Life is good. Just like my BFF one. Fries and champagne. See? Confirmed. Everyone, spread that rumor around. Just kidding. Do not do that. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you to Aria and Amanda for taking time out of their day at RWA to hang out and talk about RWA. If you would like to find them, they are both reviewing at Smart Bitches. You can find Amanda on Twitter at underscore I'm an adult and Aria is at Aria underscore Marston. 
Today's podcast is sponsored by The Mafia, the first book in the Mafia series by Anne Royal Nicholas. If you liked Sex in the City and the Jane Austen Book Club, or if you're a member of a book club yourself, you'll love this contemporary women's fiction series set in Los Angeles. Madeline Scott Crane is a 42-year-old mediator and single mom who's having the best sex of her life, inspired by the women of her book club, The Mafia, and their latest racy read. But on their second date, as Maddie and her mysterious Israeli heartthrob Udi come together in orgasmic splendor, he collapses on top of her, dead. Or is he? The muffs set out to find the truth and damn the consequences. International intrigue combines with friendship, literary pursuits, some vibrator shopping, and lots of home cooking, all wrapped up in one smart, sexy novel that's just this side of Scandalous. The Mafia and all the books in the Mafia series are available now. Find out more at anneroyalnicholas.com. Our transcript this week is being brought to you by The Highland Duke by Amy Jarecki on sale now for a limited time only at 99 cents. When Akira Ayers finds a brawny Scott with a musket ball in his thigh, the healer has no qualms about doing whatever it takes to save his life, even if it means fleeing across the highlands to tend his wounds while English redcoats are closing in. Though Akira is as fierce and brave as any of her clansmen, she's intimidated by the fearsome, brutally handsome Highlander who refuses to reveal his full name. Jordy knows if Akira ever discovers he's the Duke of Gordon, both her life and his will be forfeit in a heartbeat. The only way to keep the last safe with his enemies on the hunt is to ensure she's by his side day and night. But the longer he's with her, the harder it becomes to think of letting her go. Despite their differences in class, despite the danger, he will face death itself to make her his. This historical romance won an RT Reviewer's Choice Award, and James Patterson recommended it on Twitter by asking, looking for a romance with the same intensity as a thriller? The Highland Duke by Amy Jarecki is only 99 cents for a few more days, and the rest of the series is on sale too, so add a stack of Highlanders to your TBR, starting with The Highland Duke, available now wherever ebooks are sold. Thank you very much to our Patreon community, because each and every podcast Patreon member who makes a pledge is helping keep the show going, and I cannot express how much I appreciate your support. If you would like to join, patreon.com slash smartpitches. The music that you are listening to right now is Caravan Palace, provided by Sassy Outwater. This track is called La Caravan, and you can find it on their double album, Caravan Palace and Panic, all of which is fantastic music to work or clean to, I can tell you. Coming up on Smart Bitches this week, we have so many great things. First, tomorrow, Saturday, August 10, we have the first of two What You're Reading posts, and basically we want to know what you're reading because then we'll tell you what we're reading, and then we all buy more books because we have no impulse control, and that's why we hang out together. Plus, we're going to have reviews, out really good reviews too, cover snark, help a bitch out, and books on sale. So I hope that you will come over and hang out with us. In the show notes for this episode, smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast, I will have links to some pictures of Arya's yearbook, the <laughs> Instagram of Linus chewing on Dukes, and I have a link to the Sherry Thomas workshop that Arya mentioned as well. And of course, we'll have links to all of the books we talked about. 
And now we end with a bad joke. Are you ready? I really like this one. What do you call dumb jokes at the beach? Heads up, graphic designers. What do you call dumb jokes at the beach? Comic Sans. <laughs> I have, have several friends who are graphic designers, and they are very impressed with how bad that joke is. <laughs> that is from, I believe, Isaiah at Reddit. Thank you. On behalf of myself, Aria, and Amanda, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a fantastic weekend, and we will see you back here next week. Voici la... Ah, ah, ah.